Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for AM820, The Word. I want to welcome you today to Heart of the City, and my special guest today is Dr. Joshua Ziefel. He's the Dean of College Ministry at Northwest University and Professor of Church History and Christian Ministry. That is a mouthful. It Dr. is. It, it really is, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you're an overall nice guy. Well, I try to be. You try, uh, actually. And so we had uh, an opportunity just to meet now, so I'm kind of getting to know you mm-hmm. as, we're, as we're speaking. I always like to do that because I like to discover and explore people's stories uh, as our listeners do. So um, I, uh, you and I were just chatting briefly that uh, you grew up or you were uh, – the last move you made in 2011 was from New Jersey. What were you doing in New Jersey? Yeah, so uh, I'm a New Jersey native. Uh, that's where I'm from, born and raised. Uh, in New Jersey, my wife, uh, Rachel, and I were uh, doing a few different things. Uh, ministry-wise, I had been serving for, at that point, six years as uh, a youth minister and associate minister at a church in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, at the same time, I was also working on my PhD in church history. Uh, not a lot of people are youth pastors and church historians at the same time, but this was uh, <laughs> this was this was God's particular calling on my life at that time. Yeah, well, growing up in New Jersey, so let's uh, always like to hear the story at the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Parents believers were when you grew up. Was it a Christian family? What was your what was your spiritual formation like as a child? Yeah, that's actually a very interesting story. My, uh, I'm a historian, so I'll kick it back a little farther than my parents. Okay. I'll kick it back to my grandparents. Uh, my grandparents are uh, uh, immigrants to the United States from Germany. They were uh, refugees displaced after the Second World War. Um, and they had still been displaced even into the 50s, and they, they immigrated to the United States. My grandfather was a traveling evangelist uh, in those days. And then when they came to the United States... He was a church planter, an evangelist, a pastor in the United States, and one of the places that he planted a church was in New Jersey. Interesting. And so my father grew up as a pastor's son, um, but, he, you know, to ask the question of my father as a believer is an interesting one because he's kind of a pastor's son that's kind of stepped a few steps away from the church, but at times corrects me on my scriptural insights. <laughs> so um, I didn't grow up, I grew up close in proximity to the church my grandfather had founded. He'd moved on by that point mm-hmm. uh, with family connections and personal connections there. But we weren't really uh, regular church attenders uh, when I was younger, when I was sort of a, in a, a younger child's age or whatnot. Uh, it wasn't until wasn't until actually my grandparents were back in the United States because they had traveled back to Germany in the 1980s to be missionaries back to their homeland. Interesting. 
And, you know, in, in my church structure, when you're a missionary, you, every few years you come back and do some itinerating to raise some financial support and mm-hmm. things like that. You know, and also to kind of connect with the churches to let them know what, what you're doing. And my grandmother happened to be in the country, and she was staying with us for a few months. And what did she do when she was staying with us every Sunday? Well, we went to church with her. Interesting. And so it was really through her influence and her witness, and then this small local church that I'd grown up very close to but never attended regularly— that God really brought me into a community of believers, um, a youth ministry, and it's very interesting. There's no one point that I necessarily remember crossing the line of faith and saying that sinner's prayer as such, but uh, over that year or two that I began to first be attending there, I, I, I came to faith in Jesus Christ, and, mm. and uh, it's, been a, it's been a journey with him ever since. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so what was that like then for your high school years? Uh, was it, uh, you know, was it uh, uh, sports and girls and cars and, and uh, life uh, as a normal teenager? Were you a serious-minded kid? No, I'm weird, Chuck. <laughs> uh, I, um, I mean, girls, of course, because you're a teenage boy, right? Right, but, right. Um, well, girls that I liked, but none of them that liked me, you know, is how that, is how that goes. Right. I, um, uh, you know, normally people that uh, at age 38 are – have a PhD in church history, were probably not very cool in high school, and that was indeed me too. So, um, you know, it was a socially kind of a, a, a strange kind of time, and I think there's this interesting thing that I think, because of course I was a youth minister for many years, and I've reflected on this in, in the years since, I, I feel that God sort of knew the very awkward social space I was going to find myself in high school and wanted to provide me an alternate community that was supportive and encouraging. Huh. Uh, and so right in my junior high years, right before everything sort of went crazy, you know, in, in, that, in, that, in that world of high school and junior high, God um, drew me into the church not only to save my soul, but to sort of provide me an encouraging uh, and um, uplifting community of faith to be a part of. So, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, meet your your then or, or soon to be wife there? Or was oh no, it? no. Um, and if I had, I probably wouldn't have been interested. She's four years younger than me. So <laughs> when I was a when I was in ninth grade, she was in fifth grade. So right, that, that, right. Yeah. That, that wouldn't work out. Um, oh, by the way, to go back to your other question, I was um, I wasn't uh, uh, sports and cars. I was like the theater and debate boy. Got did, it. Yeah. Okay. So, well, yeah. there's value in yeah. that. I won't Actually. sing for you today, but I did a little <laughs> musical theater in my day. Uh, Rachel, my wife, uh, who is also from New Jersey, I didn't meet until years later uh, after college uh, when I was um, doing a Master of Divinity degree at Princeton Theological Seminary and uh, serving at a local church there, just volunteering, helping with the youth ministry. And she was one of the other youth leaders, one of the other adult youth leaders there. And you know, we didn't get together right away. I dated somebody else in between. Um, she was interested in somebody else at one point. But there came a certain point uh, a few years later when we both kind of looked at each other and said, hmm, I think I'm interested in, in, in seeing where this might go. And so that's that's kind of how that began. Yeah. yeah. So obviously in your uh, high school years, you become serious about your faith. Mm-hmm. You, you, yeah. you begin growing in the Lord. When did the idea of... Um, of uh, becoming a pastor or a youth pastor, when yeah. when did that start to birth in your heart? It birthed in other people's minds before it was in my heart, and I know that it was in God's heart from eternity, but, uh, you know, my, my, I was always very involved in my local congregation that my grandfather founded, where he was kind of a hero, uh, and everyone looked at me and said, oh, Josh, I think you should be a pastor one day, and I mm. really... You know, I knew—I didn't know much when I was 15 years old, but I knew enough to know that it didn't seem right to do something, especially something like ministry, 
just because somebody said I should right. or just because I happen to admire my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, this did, you know, I wanted to feel, know, feel and know that I was called by God to do this. And so for a long time, um, I struggled with that. You know, I had, I think, a lot of giftings that God had given me towards ministry, but really said, no, I don't know. I don't I don't want to I don't want to force this. I don't want to do this out of some sort of misguided honoring of a grandfather or whatnot or because everyone says. So so years forward, I mean through college, I, I was a history major, always loved history, telling stories, uh, but maintained a Bible and theology minor because they just fascinated me so much. Mm. And then I moved on uh, to seminary. Um, most people go to seminary to be a pastor. I said, no, I'm going to seminary, but I'm not going to be a pastor. I want to study theology, maybe teach or church history and maybe teach. So I even started seminary not thinking that uh, the pulpit preaching ministry was really for me. And it, ha- it so happened that after my first year uh, at seminary, I happened to be at a um, a a conference that my denomination put on for uh, seminary students. And I went there, took some classes, learned some things. And one night in, I think it was July 2003, I happened to randomly go to a mission service. Um, speaker was preaching. Uh, there was an altar call afterwards for the missionaries there. And I, I was just praying because, you know what? Yeah. You know, I'm just there. You know, right. I'm not going off of the mission field overseas or, or as such. But that night, very clearly, I felt God call me hmm. to serve the church and to be in ministry. And I, I mean, distinctly, I went home and I, 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 I you know, with, with a big flourish, got out a piece of paper, a blank check, actually, and wrote, you know, I said, this is it, God, I'm doing this. And um, from that point on, I mean, I went back. Uh, I volunteered to serve at the local church there where my school was. Um, then I interned there. Uh, and then uh, even even about two years later, um, I really felt like the academic world was something that I wanted to pr- continue to pursue. So I, I had been accepted to do my Ph.D. at Princeton Seminary in church history, which is you know, prestigious. And, yeah. Um, the youth pastor I'd been working with and volunteering for and interning for, he was he was transitioning to another church at that point. And my first reaction when he told me is, well, tell the church, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to do this. Um, I think some of it was, um, well, frankly, pride. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a youth pastor. I'm an elite academic now or something like this. And uh, by the end of that summer, I was the youth pastor. <laughs> God really worked worked through my heart that summer yeah. to, um, I think, humble me, but also um, really clarify that this is what I was meant to do at that time. Yeah, because yeah. as a youth pastor, you don't get a whole lot of uh, questions from kids about church history. No, you know, sadly, Chuck, you don't. Uh, and it was, it, was, it was this crazy whiplash. It would be the morning, you might go to a PhD seminar class, and you'd be translating sermons from Martin Luther in the original 1500s German. Then that night, you play with water balloons with, <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. teach basic Bible study techniques. But, right. Yeah. It was life-giving for me, and I really, think, um, I really think God gave me a special grace in that time to be able to handle both at the same time, because it, they were both basically full-time. Yeah. Full-time jobs. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, it, and it, I, I would think it grounded you, even though you that weren't that far away from being a, a young person yourself. Okay. Yet, yeah. like you say, when you're in the academic world, I'm sure, yeah. and, that, uh, and with some high-caliber intellects that are teaching you that to, to uh, have to worry about uh, Wednesday night youth group uh, and some of the activities going on was a, certainly a transition. Yeah, and, yeah, and honestly, something that I think still— um, impacts probably the way that I teach and the way that I interact with our college students now, because I realize that what can sound very enlightening and engaging at a doctoral level academic piece of work needs a lot of translation and um, 
one needs to be very sensitive to the hearer, wherever they might be, um, to, to know that. And I couldn't deny that when I was a youth pastor. Uh, and I think that it, that, that constant um, awareness has helped me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and I were talking before recording. Uh, I have a special appreciation for uh, the president of Northwest University, Dr. Joe Castleberry, yeah. because I think that's someone who is obviously uh, has the intellectual prowess and the academic uh, uh, letters behind his name, but yet is very uh, capable of uh, relating to the average person. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe has been, uh, is an encouragement to all of us, has been an encouragement to me. And of course, his story is, I mean, he, he has been a missionary on, on the, in, in the middle of nowhere, Ecuador, you know, mm-hmm. for some years. He's a, he's a top-notch academic um, and just a man of a lot of energy and passion that God has gifted him with. So we're we're blessed to have him as our president at Northwest. Yeah, very much so, very much so. And so what happens next? You're in seminary and then start working yeah. uh, as on your Ph.D.? And yeah. uh, what's what's life happening like for you personally? Yeah, well, uh, this is around the time that I started uh, I started dating my, my, wife, my now wife. Um, we had one of those stories where we dated for a little while, then we broke up. And then I realized I'd made a terrible mistake, mm-hmm. and then I tried to get her back, and she can, she she agreed with my initial decision. <laughs> and uh, then it was about six or seven months where I was in agony, you know, Chuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, the Lord, uh, the Lord saw fit to bring it back around, and we dated for about a year and a half. Got married while we were serving the youth ministry there. We ministered together then in that place after we were married for a few years. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and as you go through a PhD program, you do classes, you propose your dissertation, you begin to do a lot of research, you write, and. Going in, I knew, and I come from the Assemblies of God, I'm a Pentecostal minister. I knew that I wanted to do something connected to Pentecostal history. Uh, and so while I was at school, I'd, you know, you do a little research looking into some different areas. And I discovered this man named David Duplessis, who uh, was kind of a big figure in the 1960s, 1970s. He was very instrumental in what was known as the charismatic movement. Yes. When uh, Pentecostal practice, experience, uh, theological perspectives begin to be received and embraced by uh, Christians outside the Pentecostal Church, Roman Catholics, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, famously, Dennis Bennett, who's very involved with the charismatic movement, pastored up here in Seattle um, in the late 60s and 70s, yeah. I think. Yeah. In fact, his uh, part of that movement was down in Van Nuys, uh, yes, California. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, I used to walk by the church uh, often. Uh, I worked at Church on the Way in Van Nuys. Oh, yeah, okay. Their east campus and west campus, right between it was the Episcopal mm-hmm. Church where Dennis Bennett yeah. was. Yeah. And I'd walk past that church and think about what was happening in the 60s yeah. there with with uh, the charismatic, the rebirth of the the charismatic movement. Absolutely. And so that was a, you know, church history for me has always had a very devotional aspect to it. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I love it so much. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not a Roman Catholic, but I appreciate their sensitivity to the great cloud of witnesses that they, um, they are constantly remembering and sort of feel that they're in communion with. And I, th- I think indeed we are. Um, and so Duplessis' story about being an ambassador for, the, for the, um, the Pentecostal witness and testimony, as I was at a very mainline church seminary, uh, where people had no idea what Pentecostals were about mm-hmm. besides maybe what they'd seen as they were flipping through the television channels, which is not always something that I endorse. <laughs> right, um, you know, right. um, I, I felt a kinship kind of with him and was working on that even as I was um, continuing on in ministry. Um, so we were, my wife and I were married in 2008. Uh, and then, uh, but slowly but surely, my dissertation is getting close to an end. I feel like maybe my time at the church is coming to an end there. And there were some question marks about what was next for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, naturally, if you finish a Ph.D. You, you, and you want to teach, and, but you have a heart for ministry, you think, ah, oh, maybe a Christian school or a seminary type of setting. 
would be a good place for me to teach. What should I teach? Well, probably what I just spent six years getting a PhD in, <laughs> church <laughs> yeah. history. So I, you know, I put uh, you know, a lot of applications out there, different schools, reaching out to them saying, hey, I'm, I'm interested in teaching um, church history, religious history, American history. These have all been my fo- focuses. You know, the recession is at its kind of its peak at that point. Schools, I realize that I'm not the, a, a 29-year-old, not quite finished his dissertation, never really taught before. It's not really the top on their list to hire, you know. Right. And there weren't, at first, a lot of opportunities. Um, I remember reaching out to Joe Castlebury in those years and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> Is there anything for me? And he said, well, no, we don't have a history position, but would you be interested in teaching youth ministry? And that first year, I kind of said, no, no, no. You know, I'm a, I've really spent all this time getting ready for church right. history, and I don't really have an academic PhD in, ch- in youth ministry. So yeah. flash forward to the next year, I had the opportunity, now that I'm a little more uh, settled into my youth ministry position, now students from the seminary were interning under me, and I was able to mentor some of these ministry students and work with them. And I think God used that to show me that I had a calling to kind of invest in ministry students. It was very mm. rewarding for me and exciting for me to, to, to help them along the way as they're um, interning, as they're apprenticing in, in the role. And so when the next year came around and Joe once again, or the school once again, had this opening in youth ministry, I actually said, you know what, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my name in. Um, there were some other places that I applied as well. I had another interview somewhere else in church history, but uh, Northwest um, both being a, a place that was sort of connected to my own denominational world and where... Um, I could uh, both teach a little church history and and invest in ministers became a lot more appealing to me. And so Hmm. um, that's kind of how my wife and I ended up out here in 2011. 2011. Yeah. So tell me what what these seven years have been like for you at Northwest. What's been the progression for you? It's been a a great progression. You know, I I came in the same time as the new dean at that point, Dr. Wade Goodall, who's um, a friend and and a mentor to me and to us at the school. And so him and I are both starting kind of fresh. I jumped into a lot of classes that I really hadn't um, – I'd done practically, youth ministry stuff, but I hadn't really ever taught in a formal setting before. So that first year, honestly, is a lot of scrambling. Like, what mm-hmm. am I what, – what do I think are most important for students to know as they're training for ministry and youth ministry? And then how do I best communicate that? What course textbook to use? You know, all sorts of things like this that um, professors that have been doing it for a while, it just seems so easy. But then uh, when you're in charge, you have to think, okay, what do I have to do here? Um, Northwest has been a great place. We're a great school. Um, passionate students in all areas of study, nursing, education, but especially my heart is the ministry students. Um, and so for you know the, my first few years, getting my feet wet, getting ready, settled in, getting to know the students and the programs. Uh, as we move on into year three or four and five, it's you have this interesting experience as a ministry professor where students you taught have graduated mm-hmm. and are now ministering in local churches. And so over time, I began to develop uh, at least once a year where I had some of these former graduates in their first few years of ministry come back and share with the current students about their experiences. And, you know, you get more involved in the school, um, the life of the school, um, you know, speaking, having the opportunity to speak in chapel, having the opportunity to meet with students in your office and pray with them, getting to know your fellow colleagues, uh, doing all the kinds of things that a, that a, that a professor um, would engage in and would do, which has been very rewarding uh, mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell me about uh, what you're currently doing. You, you're now the Dean of College of Ministry, and you've been yeah. in that position for one month. One yeah. month and nine days. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, let me actually um, rewind to one thing that I think uh, your listeners might find interesting. About three years ago, 
something really interesting happened at Northwest. Um, we had become aware that the Lilly Foundation, which is a major Christian grant writing organization, was putting out a call for um, schools like ours to apply for funding to put together what they call the High School Theology Institute, hmm. which, again, that's also a mouthful. Yeah. Um, but they really saw a need for high school students to engage questions of vocation and theology more deeply. So we put in an application for this. I helped put together the grant with some others at the school, and we received over $400,000 to to launch this summer theology camp, basically, for high school students. And so for the past two summers at Northwest University, I've been privileged to direct this summer high school theology program. We call it the Summer Journey. Mm. Um, and um, How many students? Uh, it's a smaller program, kind of um, focused. We have about 35 students mm-hmm. in the program. Uh, it's 10 days. We're going to go to the seven days next year, make it a little shorter. But it's been, it's been really exciting for, for leading students, students who want to go deeper in theology or ministry, um, really to take them for 10 days, bless them, have them on the campus. They're learning from professors. We're, we're having service time together. We're, we're engaging with um, just a lot of different things together. And it's been, it's been exciting. Our, our tagline has been, and really what we believe, is finding your place in the story of God and really helping mm-hmm. them embrace that. And so we've had two good years this far and looking forward to a good year next year as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, I mentioned that to mention that for your listeners, but also to say that I think God was using that experience to prepare me to step into this role that I've just had for about a month now as yeah. the dean of the College of Ministry. Um, it was, a, it was a crazy year last year. Dr. Goodall announced he would be resigning, and I felt led to sort of, and I thought I would put my name in for the position and sort of see what uh, what would come of it. And, you know, when you do that, you really realize that it's not in your hands. You submitted an application, and you pray about it, but then you just see where, where God and where, well, what seems good to the Holy Spirit and to the committee, right. <laughs> as, as the Book of Acts might say. Right. And, uh, um, but now um, in this new role as dean of the ministry where I oversee our curriculum, our professors, I get to interact with students and really engage where my heart is, training ministers and blessing and serving the, the church, both uh, universally and locally, um, is something now that I get to do. And it's, it's, it's been this real joy for me this past summer as I've been transitioning, transitioning into this role uh, to know that I am doing exactly what I want to do when I want to be doing it, where I want to be doing it. And that's mm. not the case for everyone. That's not been the case for me at all points in my life, but for right now. Um, I am so honored and humbled, and not a little terrified, um, to, to, be, to be in this role. So, yeah. Well, it's, uh, uh, it is exciting to have that season of your life, because uh, that happens with a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah. You've got a season of life mm-hmm. where things are going well, and you're, yeah. you're feeling uh, your, your, your passion and purpose are being fulfilled, and yeah. that's an exciting place to be. So um, we've got about two minutes left, and mm-hmm. I would love for you to share uh, if someone is interested in Northwest University, either as a parent for their child or as a graduate uh, student, uh, what do they need to do? How do they need to, to reach out to you? Yeah, well, the first thing I'd say is check out our school website, uh, www.northwestu.edu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, all of our information is there. Uh, if, you look at the co- if you're interested particularly in ministry programs, our college of ministry webpages, both at the undergraduate uh, and graduate level, uh, have a lot of information there. Uh, if you see my link and link to my email, feel free to email me or call me. I'd love to chat with you. Uh, we have— And how do they—and yeah. uh, let's spell your name so they can do that. It's, yes. it's Dr. Joshua Zifol, and Zifol is spelled— Z, like zebra, <laughs> I-E-F, like Francis, L-E. That's what I always do on the phone when I'm talking to the credit card people. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so they could reach out to you, absolutely, and uh, and check out what's going on in Northwest. Oh, yeah. We'd love, to, we'd love to hear from people and know how we can serve you better. 
Well, we've uh, about one minute left. I'd, I'd love for uh, us to wrap up and just uh, say thank you for, for joining me today on Heart of the City. And um, just to share, as a pastor, mm-hmm. just a word of encouragement to our listeners today as far as your life and, and, yeah. uh, and, and what the Lord has been sharing with you. There are some things in life that I think where you can only really discern God's hand uh, later, looking back. And in my own life, I didn't know where where all of these disparate threads um, were headed at the time. I, I, I was involved in a youth ministry. I was engaging with academics. I, I said, yeah, I'll help. I'll work with an intern. But then as time went on and it, it's come together both here at Northwest and now in this new role, I see that God was preparing me for for what was next. So I would say to your listeners, if you feel like you're in the wilderness, you don't know where, um, where, where, where the thing you're doing right now is leading, stay faithful where God has called you and um, be ready for what he's preparing you for. Thanks for joining me today on Heart of the City. Thank God you, bless. Chuck. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, call Chuck Olmstead, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.